Hello and welcome to another episode of Put It On Record. We'll get started here in a minute, but I did want to say a couple of things before we got started. Um, first of all, definitely appreciate each and every one of you that listen to this podcast on a weekly basis. Every listen you give us is support that we need to keep the ball rolling. So keep it up. Share these episodes with anybody you feel like will be interested. And go to the podcast website and like, review, give us five stars. All the love. We definitely appreciate it. Over the last couple of episodes and this episode, we've had a couple of audio difficulties and a couple of technical difficulties. So we appreciate you being patient with us and still listening while we work these out. This is a small operation, but we're figuring it out, you know, as we go. We did make some improvements. So next week and the following week should be a lot better. Once again, we appreciate you listening anyway and tuning in. Let's get into it. Suck my dick! So yeah, welcome uh, everybody to another episode of uh, Put It On Record, um, the podcast about DJing hosted by DJs. Of course, it's me once again, uh, DJ Byrne, and uh, my uh, co-host, say some co-host. Oh, Ricio. <laughs> we got to practice this <laughs> intro, y'all. <laughs> Don't fret in the building, baby. Ricio, hello, hello. All right, and so this is episode five. This is a very special episode. This is our first official guest. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I love talking djing with people that i know are passionate about djing um just about the ins and outs and the struggles and you know shared experiences and uh who better than to have one here than someone um, that i've seen from the beginning (laughs) seen from when they first started and i'm sure they have a lot of uh you know uh trials and tribulations and a, a lot of good info to share uh with with all the listeners so uh introducing uh dj ola what's up what's up hey. see this is my first time too, so um you know i might be a little shy but what's up y'all <laughs> welcome welcome thank you guys for having me now uh dj ola is uh coming from live from los angeles so she's three hours behind so she just clocked out mm-hmm. uh, but we got a whole list of questions on paper and uh you know in my head so we're gonna get okay. started but the very first question and i'm gonna try to make this a thing for all of the guests we have on here djs because uh i feel like we all have that one embarrassing gig or moment during djing so what would you say is your most embarrassing gig or moment while djing dang embarrassing uh, the one thing i guess that stands out i remember this was this was a while back. I think I had literally it might be like only within two or three years of moving to L.A. And I was only getting like three gigs a year. Like it was it was not very many at all. And um, this this woman, I don't even know how I met her. I think I was at like some event and she just um, was like, hey, you know, I have a like a party coming up at my house. Um, oh wait she hired me to do the boys and girls club that's what it was of Venice Beach and then she wanted me to like do a private event at her home and so I'm I'm already running late for this event so that's already the the that's already yeah that, that was already really high stress and so I get there and then I don't have any of my I have like no RCA cords and so I'm already late 
I get there and she's pissed off. You could just see it on her face. And then I had to drive to the guitar center, go buy some chords, come back. And like her heart, like she had like, it was like a barbecue. So, you know, everybody's just waiting. <laughs> it was like really bad. And I finally get set up and, and, you know, there's always like someone who's like, they have a certain idea of what kind of music they want played, but then mm-hmm. they have a younger crowd. So she, this woman was like in her sixties, probably. So she wants like Motown and, you know, old school shit. Oh, sorry. Can I cuss? Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so she wants like Motown, you know, so I basically built a playlist. This was before I got really comfortable just kind of playing when I get there versus like I always used to prepare everything. And so I had prepared like this Motown list and she had like her her daughter and her daughter's friends were there and they like wanted to hear all the stuff that I hadn't prepared. And it was just a, the whole thing was a disaster. Like I ended up having to like get some money back or not, but basically give her some money back because I was late. And I was just like, it was like one of the one moments where I was just really mortified because it was just not a good experience all across the board. And that I would say that was really embarrassing, but I'm glad it wasn't like a, like a real high profile gig or nothing like that. It was just like a barbecue and I was still kind of just finding my footing in LA. So it was one of my little amateur type type things, you know, that's what I was saying. <laughs> Definitely sounds yeah. awkward. It was so awkward. <laughs> her daughter's like, can you play this? Can you play? I'm like, oh, I didn't. It's not on my plate. <laughs> now, now I know I can like pivot nowadays. But back then it was like I had just started DJing within a couple of years. And I, and I think, Ernest, I think you were still out here at that time. Because this was like 2013, maybe 14. When did you move to L.A. initially? I don't think I can't hear anything. Can you hear me? We can hear I you. can hear you. Can you, oh, we can't hear you, Ernest. How about now? No. Yeah. There yeah. We- I don't know. Okay. Um. Yeah, I was up there 2011 to 20. 20- okay. So this was like 2012 or 13 or something like that. So it was, yeah, it was a disaster. But yeah, mm-hmm. now. <laughs> it was a good learning experience, though, right? Like those are the type of those things kind of have to happen for you to get your footing. Because now it's like, okay, I need to have a checklist. Yep. I right. Or I got internet or hotspot so I can play the two chains, even though they wanted me to play OJ's. <laughs> like all of that. <laughs> there you go. You already know yeah. it definitely was a good learning experience because you don't want nothing like that to happen ever again if you can help it. <laughs> right. And experiences like that is why I have every quarter in my bag right now. I have mm-hmm. RCA, XLR, a quarter inch every time, even though I don't even need yeah. it. Does anybody yeah. else want to share an embarrassing gig? If you haven't already? I can share what happened this past Friday where, so I thought I was cute. I was wearing my Ivy Park hoodie and it's a little oversized on oh, the yeah. sleeves. Mm-hmm. And I had my sleeves down. So I was on Reba's controller, which I only practiced on once. And every time I would like reach across, my sleeve would move the crossfader. So the music would just cut off. And I'm looking around. I have it like three or four times. And so I finally like pulled them up and I was like, oh my God, this, I feel like such an amateur. Like, this is so stupid. And that was something I never even thought about, like thinking about what you're going to wear and thinking about stupid stuff like that. Like, who thinks about that? Nobody. Two things. One, don't be offended, friend. I think your height might have played a little bit into that. Oh, you're oh right. man, you're you gotta right. stand up. Because <laughs> you know, baby's very close to the crossfader. Like she's I super am, close. I am. <laughs> Two, when I was practicing on my um, 
1000 SRT today. That's the controller that I have. My crossfader felt really loose. Like I've never, it, it's never glided that easily before. Mm-hmm. And I don't have that burn. What's that Um, on, on some of the mixers, like for, for turntables, there's like that option where you can make it, they're like uh, increased attention on it. You know what I'm talking about? Burns frozen. Yeah, he is frozen. I know what you're talking oh, about. Oh, yeah, I like I don't have that. I don't know what it's called. Forgive yeah, me. Yeah, it's like a like a torque thing or whatever, and it can be th- harder or it can be looser. Now I, I know have them for the jog wheels, but I don't have it for the crossfader. So I don't uh, know if that yeah. happened because DJ Leak was going ham with with his mixing on Friday. Yeah. So he, oh dang. He, he loosened it up. Or, I'm not mad or anything at all, but it's never. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what happened. It's never been that loose before. Like when I was practicing today, it was like shooting back and forth. I'm like, Damn. oh dang. <laughs> I got to figure that out. I got to run that to the shop, the repair shop. <laughs> uh, I don't know about your controller, but on my mixer, you know, uh, I got the S9, uh, so you can uh, adjust the um, the feel of it to make it heavy or light. So it's probably like that on your controller as well. I don't know what just happened. Um, the, the app crashed on me. But this is why everybody's recording. So we have yeah. the audio. God, we just kept um, talking when you froze like. Yeah. Did you, um, Rita, did you share your uh, embarrassing moment? I, I can't think of one off the top of my head other than like what we discussed, what, two weeks ago, just okay, I mean, yeah, I mean, being, sh- I don't know. I probably can think of one once we hop off of this and I'll save it for the next one. Oh, no, that's all good. <laughs> um, so something I haven't shared, I think, I don't think on any podcast. So this is a great. Oh, I'm ready. <laughs> so this was like 20, 2013, right? Um, I, I came back to Columbus for a gig at Lounge 62. Shout out to Lounge 62. Okay, period. Um, this is at, this is right after I lost all that weight too. And this is the first time I came back after that. So I was like feeling myself a little bit. Um, this is when Duce came out, but it wasn't available everywhere. So I, I had it because I got it in LA and I brought it back to Columbus. And this is when I first started taking Molly. So all of that, I went to the gig. There was another DJ there. Um, I took over for him and I was so under the influence that I could not put the needle on the record. Like I physically couldn't wow. do it. And I remember when I started, I, I, I remember I started off with a uh, Drake, Big Sean, Two Chains, all me. And I just kept looping in the beginning. I swear it, it might loop for like four minutes until somebody came over and was like, you gotta, like, you gonna play it? I was like, oh yeah, let me go ahead and play it. Oh, so, hell no. <laughs> uh, four minutes though, oh so, my God. <laughs> so I was doing terrible to the point where the DJ that opened for me, 30 minutes later came back and like, with his laptop out, I already knew what time it was. He was like, "Yep, you already know." <laughs> he said, so, "Go ahead and log off for me." <laughs> so, so he was like, "Yeah, I'll go ahead and take care for you." I was like, "Man, I'm just, you know, I'm here. I'm having a good time, bro." And plus, like when I was losing all that weight, like I wasn't eating any carbs either. This is probably the first time I had drank in a long time too. So mm. I was just like, that was the most embarrassing because I know I bombed that night, and I ended up sleeping in my car afterwards until like four in the morning, and then I went home. And I have a follow up question for that. So in an instance when the opening DJ comes up to you with the laptop open and you know it's time for you to jump off, like, do you stay or do you beeline to the exit and leave? Like, how does that? Um, so I was in there talking to the, to the uh, promoter. I, I, if, I, if I recall correctly, I was just like, man, you know, I'm just, you know, um, yummy. <laughs> and I, like, because it's a friend of mine, he was like, I understand. Um, but you fucking up. So, and then, you know, I mean, I couldn't say nothing because I was clearly fucking up. So that's why uh, I try not to get drunk or anything anymore when I DJ because I want to be on point. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and because you never know who's listening. Like it, it could yeah. have been a big opportunity in there and I blew it because, or somebody, it could have been somebody's first time. And they're like, I'm never listening to this DJ again because wow. he's terrible. Did they have you back? Um, I've worked with that person uh, after that, but I, that person doesn't promote anymore. So, and did the, did the lounge out. have you back? Um, no, but, but I'm, they closed shortly after that. Anyway. <laughs> That's why they closed. <laughs> Bro, they, nah, they closed because they was putting Cavassier and Hennessy bottles. That's why. Really? Oh, no. <laughs> you, and you're not lying nah, about that either. Nah, you know, I know what Hennessy <laughs> tastes like. I was like, this ain't Hennessy. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but uh yeah so all these are, are learning experiences and um, that's why it's good to have djs of different um tenures so we can all you know share and share alike so always remember to keep extra cords um be mindful of which oh back to uh what you're saying about what you wear i'm never wearing timberlands or chuck taylor's again oh, when I DJ because that's the stand up for four hours with any of those shoes on like mm-hmm. your dog's gonna be barking at the end of the night but, <laughs> is there a yeah, good shoe to DJ in though, I feel like standing for four hours, it really doesn't matter what shoe you have on at this point. So the key is you need some Dr. Show's gelins, you need some insoles. I have them, and it still doesn't really or get one of those master cashiers got got yeah. Is that the free game for today? Get some insoles <laughs> <laughs> or mat or the it's the mat for me, baby. I'm gonna have one of them rolled up. Don't the worry. Mat. The mat helps sometimes. I'm not gonna say it takes everything away, but it does help. <laughs> Whatever you do. And don't fret you on a, don't feel some kind of way about this. Whatever you do, don't sit down when you DJ. Oh, yeah. baby, if, if it's a seat, baby, I'm gonna pull it up. <laughs> I don't sit down at every gig, but sometimes right. yes, I will. Absolutely. I mean, if, if nobody can see you back there, if it looks like you're standing up, if it's a tall chair, I mean, that's different. Anyways, <laughs> um, so let, let's get back to DJ a lot. The the the, uh, the 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 person of the hour. Mm-hmm. So let's i'm looking at the wrong notes let's talk about how you got started um well first of all give us some background on yourself where you from you know um, know, (laughs) uh, where you grew up where you went to college and more importantly like you know we all have college experiences um with going to parties and um listening to other djs um how was that experience for you as a party goer before you were a dj so let's hear all of it okay well i'm originally from columbus that's how i met you and all of you guys. Um, but yeah, so I'm from Columbus, Ohio. Grew up there. <clears throat> Went to Ohio State for college. I was a, actually, which is interesting, I was um, a theater major. And so everything I did from the time I was a kid till the time I graduated from college, it was all about theater. And music didn't actually, like, I always liked music. And my stepfather, he was a DJ as well. And so I had always liked music, but I never thought about DJing, but also it was very male dominated back then. So you didn't even think of being a, you know, a woman or a girl that you could do that. Um, but when I was in college, I would go to the parties, you know, like the, the uh, fraternity, the frat parties, the sorority parties and stuff like that. And I just, you know, I just kind of got like really interested in what like the DJs were doing and how they were doing it because they were controlling everything. And, you know, when people would get excited, I would be like looking at that, like, man, or when I got excited, really, I'm like, shit, I love this. You know what I'm saying? Um, But then when I graduated, I eventually moved to Los Angeles in 2010. I graduated 07. Dang, man, I feel old. I feel old as fuck right now, but I, uh, I graduated in 07, moved to LA in 2010. But before I moved, literally, like I think about 2009 is when I really wanted to like seriously teach myself how to DJ. 
Um, and I just was going to YouTube. Went mm-hmm. to YouTube. Uh, was looking at all these DJ boards that you know all they had the. Um, at the time, I guess that was considered blogging or whatever. I mean, it's the same thing, but I would just go to those boards and just kind of like read up a whole, a whole bunch of stuff that they was talking about and then use the videos on YouTube to teach myself about equipment. I bought the first thing I bought was like this little IDJ, like really small controller that mm-hmm. the platters didn't move. Uh, I had I bought I had like a Windows computer. You know how you get started? You just get started with whatever. Yeah, it's right. yeah. <laughs> well, I actually had this Windows computer. I was like, okay, I'll download. I think it was at the time it was Virtual DJ or something like that. Downloaded that had the little small square controller, and I got it. And I was like, this ain't it. Like I want to be able to feel like moving platters at least, right? Right, right, right. In the rain, uh, was it the rain NS7 like came out? And I got that. And I don't know if y'all know much about like the old controllers, but this was like revolutionary at the time. Because of tangent, but I'm kind of explaining to you how I got started with DJ. But it was revolutionary at the time because it wasn't turntables and a mixer, but it had everything you needed. And you also had the feel of really being on the turntable. So I just traded in that little IDJ and got that um, NS7. And then I just continued teaching myself until I moved to LA in 2010. And I was just, that's pretty much how I got started. Like, I think I answered all your questions, but I'd be going off on tangents and stuff. But yeah. Let's back up a little bit. In college, you say you uh, heard DJs and they got you interested. Who were some of the DJs? Okay. I'm not leading you to say me or anything. I know, I know, I know. (laughs) Who are some of the the DJs that you you would say influenced you or uh, led you to actually starting yourself? Yeah, the first DJ that I remember ever really seeing was Steph Loss because, you know, he was big at Ohio State. He was I mean, he was older, too. He had been there for, I think, a couple of years, at least before I got there. Um, he might have even, be, even been a senior senior when I was a freshman, but I, I can't don't quote me on that. But I remember seeing him and he was like the only DJ that I really saw the most. So when I would go to all the like pro shows and all the like I said, we was just going to just, you know, all of the parties that were on campus and he was always there. And, you know, I kind of at this point, I think my interest started to peak, be picked or whatever you want to call it. And then I remember Fate, DJ Fate was just learning how to DJ. And he actually was, I think I would say a protege of Steph Floss. Now, I don't know who's going to hear this. So this is just me as a regular party goer. <laughs> so please, nobody take offense if you see this and think like, what is she talking about? This is just my perspective. <laughs> so those were the first two ones um, in terms of being on campus. And I remember after that, that's when I, it's so, it seems like so long ago, my memory might be failing me, but I remember uh finding out about you Ernest and going to parties this is of course outside I don't know I'm gonna say of course but it wasn't on campus it was when I was off campus like going to parties with my friends and you were one of the DJs and I'm trying to remember how we got connected I feel like I just can't remember I know I mean maybe you can help me out but I know that the first few DJs would be those two than you that I could ever really say that I kind of was like okay I um I'm sorry. I don't remember. Yeah. Okay. That's okay. I'm glad that it's not just me because it was a long time ago. Saw that Molly he used to take. Oh no. <laughs> it's too um, no, it's just. Um, I mean, I I feel like I saw you in um, Soul Classics uh, before. Uh, I think that was that, that was on the first times. Okay, gotcha. The first time I saw you, yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, uh, so you talked about moving to LA. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was that? a DJ decision or was just personalized decision? What made you get to LA? It was, so it was, I had, um, 
remember I told you I was in theater my entire life, always in theater, doing theater all throughout high school, elementary, everything. So I already knew that LA was going to be my destination from the time I was a kid because acting, you know? Right. Uh, so when I left, when I graduated and just started working at like this finance company or whatnot, um, it, it wasn't, it, it was something I had always wanted to do, move to Los Angeles, but it was actually my best friend, Crystal, who kind of was like, put the battery in my back. Cause she was like, I'll move with you. And you know, sometimes you need like that, that one thing, that one person, because it's, it's scary to like move away, especially that far. Um, but the impetus was acting and then also my best friend. And so it just, we just, uh, we were already rooming together, living in uh, east side on the east side of Columbus and we were like let's just do this so we just left our house our apartment and lived with our uh family members for like two months two or three months until the summer of 2010 and I just saved up a few thousand I think I had like three thousand dollars saved maybe it was two thousand but I did not have a job or anything lined up and we just came to LA and that was I've been here ever since but the impetus for that was acting yeah it was initially acting not even music Okay. Okay. Um, so LA 2010, uh, how long before, well, yeah. Well, talk about how the gigs went when you first got there. Yeah, it was nothing. Like it was, I was already, I had just started DJing, teaching myself rather, um, the end of 2009 and then starting in 2010. So I literally moved like less than a year after I started learning how to DJ. So when I got there, my focus technically was acting. Like it was trying to find like web series and starting going on auditions and stuff. But the way that it worked out for me was I knew I was going to have to sustain myself because, you know, it was already going to be more expensive to live there. So I went ahead and was looking for a job, like a nine to five. And um, I ended up getting connected with some people out there. Actually, no, it was your sister. Duh, what am I talking about? Your oh, yeah. sister, she moved to LA before you did, correct? Yep. She was out there. And through her, I met a guy named Gino Brooks. And he was basically an aspiring, I would say aspiring at the time, like producer, director, writer, all of that. And they and I got in with your sister because you were trying to, you know, like, hey, my sister's out there. Maybe you can connect us. And you were pretty much a good, you've actually been a, I think you've been a connection for me and a few other people for real being out here. You definitely have been <laughs> shout out to you. Okay. But uh, yeah, so I was out there doing my little thing. I was working a nine to five, but I was also um, doing like web series acting, small little acting parts and stuff, trying to get my feet wet. But in that, in that time I was like still practicing and I, it's just the way things are working now. I was like, you know, if I take up DJ and more, I know I can continue like working my nine to five and also DJing and making money. And then music just became like the four, it just came to the forefront for real. I got really serious at that time. And I kind of put, I actually put acting on the back burner, which is crazy because that was like my lifelong dream. But then music and DJing literally became like my second passion at that point. Mm -hmm. So I hope I answered your question with that one, but yeah, that's how that all started. (laughs) That's perfect. Um, Rewind a little bit. So Keep me on track. Thank you. <laughs> was there any musical influences when you were younger that pushed you towards DJing or was it literally just seeing other people doing it? It was like, oh, it looks cool. 
So the so in terms of music, I was really I mean I've always been into R and B. So R and B was like my number one genre. So I was like in nineties R and B, like Joe to see Monica, SWV, that type of R and B. And um, and then you know just being around, like I said, my stepdad was a DJ. I started to have a appreciation for like the classics. And to me, you know, being a younger person at the time, it was just like just the type of music I grew up around. But I'm talking like Marvin Gaye, like all the like anything you think of as like a throwback, a classic type of thing. That's that's what I and it was more so R&B based. Um, Never was really a big hip hop head, but that is kind of where the musical taste started to grow in that time frame. And then really, like I said, DJing, the big, the closest I got to DJing and wanting to DJ when I was a kid was watching Juice. And I remember seeing Q at the competition. I was like, that looks, that, now that looks dope as fuck. Of course I wasn't cussing back then. Cause you know, I was <laughs> yeah, but you know what I'm saying? I, that is just, that was the first thing, I guess my first foray into DJing and what that was. But like you, like we talked about earlier, it was really after being in college and kind of like just taking that uh, much of it, much more of an interest than I was prior to that. So, yeah. Two things that for certain one, mm-hmm. every great DJ says they were inspired by juice. This is a, fact. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Two, um, there's a, uh, there's a movie called uh scratch. I watched um, it. I've seen that too. Yeah. So every time somebody asked me to teach them a DJ, I was like, watch that first and let me know if you really want to do this. And it's kind of okay. dated now. It is, it is. It came out like 97, but it still gives you a lot of history and um, just over music and the DJ and everything. So if you haven't seen that um, yeah. and you're listening, you want to be a DJ, watch, watch Scratch. It should be mm-hmm. on YouTube for free. And yeah, you, uh, you should have already seen Juice. I, I feel like if you listen to this, you've probably, <laughs> you probably seen Juice before. Yeah. Uh, you guys have any questions or do we want to just keep going? Well, I, I have a wanna... question. Oh, go ahead. No, because mine's just a joke, girl. Don't even let me speak. (laughs) Well, my question was going to be, like, how did acting, because you have to audition, Mm -hmm. um, how did that help you, like, put yourself out there as a DJ? Especially, like, as a brand new DJ where, you know, you're not coming to L.A. with a reputation. You're coming as somebody who just started and you're not even from the city. Like, how did you break in? Gotcha. Okay. That was a good, that's a good question. Um, you know, acting and going on auditions, I've really only like just scratched the surface. I literally, I can't really speak to being like really hard in on that process because I, I had just scratched the surface and I was doing it for maybe one to two years after I moved here. And it was really small parts. Like, and anybody who moves to LA knows about trying to get background work and doing background for like very small budget type of like films and stuff. So that's what I was doing. Um, so once initially, I, I think what I did or what I, cause I get my memory, but being here at that time back then, it was more, it was very intimidating because again, you're uprooting yourself. You're trying to find your footing and that's just what I was doing. But I also, at that time, if I'm being honest, also started to feel very much so like, you know, I had, um, I felt like I was being set back. Like I had to take a step back. Like it was a lot of sacrifices being made. I don't know how much you know, but I, uh, I don't know. If, I don't know. I'm highly artist might not have said anything, but I was going through a big family tragedy at the time. So it was just a lot like trying to figure out how to pay my rent. It, it was took a month to get a job. So it was a lot on my plate at the time that I wasn't really 
as focused as I wanted to be in acting. Uh-huh. But in terms of breaking into it, I think I got very, the way I can explain it is I would like, I couldn't even sleep at night sometimes when I first moved here. It was really like, what am I doing? How, how am I going to do this? How can I get better at DJing? How can I make this work for me? So I don't have to ever move back to home, you know, Columbus, uh-huh. that type of thing. And eventually I just was like, you know what, let me go to DJ school. I don't know. I'm sure you guys know Scratch DJ Academy now, but it, this was at, in 2014. So it took me a few years before I really like kind of branched out and was like, let me do this because I want to get, I want to get better at what I'm doing and at the craft, but also create a community around myself. Cause I didn't really know many people and Ernest, you know, he moved out here and it helped me and, you know, he was helping me. He was teaching me. He was like my mentor really at the time, but the only person I really knew. And like I said, I was only doing like three gigs and they were all like holiday events, like little, you know, like for somebody's mama, you know what I'm saying? Like it wasn't <laughs> brands or nothing like that. And I used to, and I used to write in my journal be like, okay, what do I need to do? First, I need to go to school. And I kind of had to get my, like, get my things, like the things that I wanted, write that down, went to scratch. And that's when things started to actually really open up for me. Once I enrolled into that program for a year, because I was able to like meet people who were like my peers, the DJs were like legendary DJ instructors, like that are like really well known in the DJ industry, like DJ revolution, DJ chalk or Mr. Chalk from the beat junkies, like Ernest, I'm sure, you know, I mean, you guys might, if you guys have done like a little bit of history, which I'm assuming that you might've, but like these DJs. And at the time I didn't even realize how big these guys were. Yeah. And I, and it really like going there, that was the number one thing. That's why whenever DJs or other people who are like trying to get into DJing ask me, I'm like, consider going to school. Like it ain't like, I know you want to, you want to cut your chops trying to learn on your own and stuff, but sometimes you need a little bit more instruction than you can give yourself. And you also you know, every DJ has their own style. So it's like, when you go there, you can be opened up to other styles, learn how to scratch, like all that. So to answer your question in a long drawn out way, it was literally like putting myself out there and, and having like some sleepless nights, a lot of sleepless nights, trying to figure out what my path was going to be with DJing. And then that just took over everything at that point. And uh hope I'm not saying too much here. Remember when you got robbed? Yeah. You talking about all my stuff got stolen out my car? yeah yes that happened oh. literally that was only a, a couple years ago like that literally oh man th- this was whew. yeah man that brings back i had just people violate you i cannot but um i can i'm gonna have to stop saying i can't hold on i thought it was uh oh what are you talking about the time I got robbed. Yeah. girl you need to come back girl, home what? you need to come back home okay you're right. I got robbed in Glendale. Yep. So, <laughs> Not more than once, child. Listen, okay, so it was only twice. I don't want people to think okay. that. <laughs> she a lick. She a lick. <laughs> but it was so when the first time I got robbed was so the second time was like DJ equipment got stolen out of my car. That was that's the top of my mind. But yes, it was 2012 or something like that. 13. I was, I was there. Yeah. I was literally, I was working at Bank of America at the time. That was my nine to five, my, my like job, day job. And I was, you know, still DJing. I was about, this is before I even went to school. And it was so odd because I remember I had just got my studio apartment and I had searched for the safest areas to live in LA. <laughs> and Glendale came up and that, and that also was where I worked. So I was like, it makes sense. I'm moving here. Got my, got my place, my little studio apartment. For seven fifty, which mind you, rent is crazy. I thought that was crazy back then. Y'all oh, should yeah. see what rent is right now. 
But um, but anyway, yes, I got robbed at gunpoint by this man who was just driving riding down the street on a bicycle. And I was getting home at like 11, 1130 at night from my best friend's house. She lived in Koreatown. So I'm literally coming home. I saw him riding down the street. I really saw him. And I don't think anything of it, because if anybody knows Glendale, it's um, it's a high Armenian population in Glendale. And so on my street. Sorry, there's someone else. That scared me considering the topic. I'm not going to lie. Number three. Yes, the long story short, I'm getting home. And this, and it's, it's, I was so used to seeing like older Armenian men outside at all hours of night, just like walking. Like people like to walk around, take in like the nature and stuff. So I didn't even, I didn't think anything of it. I get out of my car. This man turns around as soon as I get out of my car, comes up, like he basically gets off his bike and walks up to me. And I thought he was going to ask me for money, like, you know, like he was homeless or something and wanted some cash. And so that was my first thought. But the next thing I know, I saw him like fumbling in his like waistband. And then he pulls out this gun and points it at me and was like, give me your bag. And so I had my Michael Kors bag because y'all know Michael Kors was popping back in that day. Amen. I had my little leather Michael Kors, my prized possession at the time. And then I had a Forever 21 bag with a blender in it. And I had just gotten this blender from my best friend. And I was like, here. So I tried to give him the Forever 21 bag because he said bag. He didn't say purse. You know what I'm saying? So I tried to give him the Forever 21 bag and he was like, no, your other bag. And so I was like, shit, it had all, it had my cell phone. It had everything. I handed it to him. He takes my bag and just rides off down the street. And I'm looking at him in the middle of the street, riding off with my purse. (laughs) (laughs) He did not take that Forever 21 bag. He did not want that shit. But anyway, yes, I got robbed, Ernest. You reminded me of that <laughs> the first time. That was a long was time. Was it like nighttime? Was, was the sun 11, still out? Yeah, oh, you did say it was 1130. 1130. No worries, no worries. It was 1130, so it was it was late, but it wasn't like 3 a.m., so... Oh did you? I yeah, mean, I was I'm scared. assuming you never seen him again in the neighborhood. <laughs> you know what? It's an interesting turn of events on that one. The police came to my house that night because I ran into my apartment, knocked on a neighbor's door, used their phone. The police pop up and they're like, we think we found him. You want to go over here and see him? And so we, they take me in the back of the car to go see if it's this man. It was not him. Oh. And they, they basically had a, I had to file a police report. And a couple of days later, they came to my job and I had to go downstairs and they had a lineup. And I remember his face and I remembered exactly what he had on him, what he looked like. And I pointed him out of a lineup and he ended up, he, I ended up having to go to court and see him in court and point him out and say, this is the man who robbed me. And, and it was crazy, but he went to jail. He, he was, um, I think he was a Mexican immigrant. So he ended up getting deported, if I'm not mistaken, oh, after he got out. So that how, that's how that whole situation went. Cause I'm glad I remember like my, I just was like, I'm never going to forget the way that man looked. Cause that right. was so And you got your phone back too, right? I did. I Cause what happened was down my purse and they gave it. I didn't get the purse back for some reason. They found it, but I got my iPhone back. He must have t- ditched the purse and kept the phone. And he had like my electric bill or something like that. Like he had like some of my mail that was in my purse that night that I had gotten from Crystal, my best friend. But that that happened. Yes, it did. Yeah. So Damn. a lot of trials and tribulations in LA. Yeah, man. Sure. Man. Um, <laughs> we're going to take, take a quick break, though. Uh, I, I want to talk more about Scratch Academy because yeah. uh, I got a funny story about that. But. We'll okay. take a quick break. Uh, we have a reoccurring segment called Put It Someone where we uh, just talk about a, a song that we uh, find interesting or that we like, something that people might not know about, and we, and we just share it so people can be put on the music. So whoever wants to go first. I'm not putting Apple Music. <laughs> Burn, you go first, because clearly none of us are prepared. 
<laughs> I mean, there ain't too much to say. I'm sure everyone's heard this song, but I listen to this song on repeat every time I go to the gym. P Power, uh, Gunna, and um, Drake. Uh, shout out to everybody with the P Power. Uh, but it's a great song. It's a great song about uh, women empowerment, I feel like. So. Okay. So, my the song that I play nonstop on uh, Gunna's new album, which I thoroughly enjoy. I feel like every listen it gets better. Um, it's that I was playing Gunna featuring Twenty One Savage. Mm. Child, I'll be ready to fight when that song comes on. <laughs> that sounds fire. Like that the song gets super fire. That's funny. Um. I'm going to go with this song because I don't think we've talked about her yet, but I love her. And that's Doja Cat. And I love Woman by her. And now it's not really like putting y'all on because it's a single now, but I thoroughly enjoy that song. And I think it kind of shows her range. So listen to that. (sighs) Okay, for me, this one is always, for whatever reason, I'm a DJ, but this one is not an easy question always because I typically keep going back to like the old stuff that I like because I got my playlist that I like and so but if we're talking about something that's new they don't have to be new um uh, last week uh, we saw my Jan Jackson so uh, mm-hmm. whatever okay. whatever you want somebody to listen to you know what I'm gonna just go with this song it's a newer one but it's one of the ones I've had I've been listening to more often than my old stuff so I'm gonna go with Khalid's new song called Scenic Drive, which has Ari Lennox and Smino on it. Oh. And that is, you know, if anything, it's always gonna be an R&B song coming from me. But that song just sounds good. What I also like about it is that Khalid, Khalid's like, you know, pop. Like he's, you know, I know he sings and he's like black and all this other stuff. And so you kind of get put into the R&B category typically. But he's definitely top forty. But I think he's like basically have he's put that on the back burner and he's gotten back to R&B or gotten to R&B with this particular album, that's why I like it better than maybe the stuff that I'd be playing on the radio all the time. So I'm going to go with Scenic Drive by Khalid. Okay. So, yeah, that's four songs for you to check out. Um, definitely uh, check those out. Uh, let's get back to the, the <laughs> interview, though, because um, when I was in L.A., my sister said, hey, you should go to the Scratch Academy. I'm like, what's that? And she was like, you know, DJ school, blah, blah, blah. And at the time, they only had it, I think, in LA and in New York. There's only two of them. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's more now, probably. Um, mm-hmm. My response was, man, I don't need to go to no academy learn how to DJ. I'm DJ Burn. You crazy? Um, <laughs> had I done that, I'd probably still be in LA right now, though, because, uh, like you said earlier, um, networking is probably great, because you know other DJs, and so if there's DJs there, you, um, you know, gain some rapport with them and you know you share gigs or do whatever you do um, lear- learning from legendary djs like dj revolution uh like these are like god level djs not just tenure djs but djs that have uh went to the mountaintop as far as like production and working with artists and going on tours and so they definitely have a uh, um experience they can share with you but talk to me about um you know what you what you take away from the uh the school the most and how is this how, how does it help you launch your career okay um i think the biggest thing for me i mean learning not learning because i had already learned how to dj but kind of honing my skills was very important to me so i i learned how to you know scratch 
by from Mr. Chalk back in the day. And of course, my scratching is not like anything to write home about. Like, but I'm saying I learned the basics, and that actually helps me when like kind of set myself apart sometimes when I'm doing my events. But outside of the technical side, the biggest thing I could say was a takeaway for me was that community piece. It was being able to, you know, you're in a class and you all, you and everyone that's in the class or that are on the same level as you, you go through the entire program pretty much together. And so it allowed me to just make some friends, you know what I'm saying? And then also we would like go out on the weekends together and just like go see other DJs and that type of thing. But after finishing uh, D or well, graduating from the school, um, it was those connections I made that actually is the reason why I've gotten a lot of gigs since then. And that was 2014 when I went to the school at the end. I think I graduated in December of 2014. And it literally <clears throat> that first that on New Year's Eve, I had a gig with someone I had met through like a friend of a friend type of thing. And I was DJing at Lowe's Hollywood Hotel for their for their New Year's Eve thing. That was my first like gig coming out of the school, literally within a couple of weeks after graduating. And then I even got with an agency that I'm still with to this day that came through the, the at the time. Her, her name is DJ Dazzler. And at the time she was like the I want to say I think she was really like the like not the director, but like she basically uh, registered all the people for the classes that came in and stuff like that. I don't know what her title was. But through her, I got with my agency, Scratch Events. And that was really like a turning point for me because I started booking like all of these like corporate events and stuff like that. And that kind of just building my resume, basically resume building at that point and just getting gigs here and there. But I was DJing like maybe at least a few times a month starting off that. And that was a lot more than the three times a year I was doing when I got there. To the point where now, like those particular gigs open me up to people seeing me there, booking me for private events. And then um, being just being active on social media and stuff like that. Also, like everything goes hand in hand. You know what I'm saying? And so the biggest takeaway was just basically making sure I fostered relationship, like authentic relationship with people, relationships with people at the school and those people I still talk to to this day, I hang out with, we, you know, meet up and go to events and everything. And then we all barter and, and throw gigs to each other. And like, that was the biggest piece. And that was the turning point for me uh, in DJing. See, and that's what, I wish there was more of that here, but mm -hmm. unfortunately people got egos that they didn't earn. Um, so I feel like people can't get along and just like, share and share alike i mean there are some people but there's other yeah. people it's just like I'm, I, I don't know like that's why i'm glad to be able to uh, share this with uh don't fret and Recio because mm -hmm. i feel like they have the interest and the passion for it and it's not just something to be cool or whatever uh but i did want to ask you uh um, wait 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 i had questions go ahead sorry <laughs> so regarding the um scratch academy i had a couple questions <clears throat> one about the program like how long it was what the uh, the schedule or the itinerary looked like mm -hmm. i wanted to know how diverse your classes mm -hmm. were um and i also wanted to know i know you said you made a lot of friends there but what was the competitive nature like if any at all while you're okay. in the program okay yeah for sure so i because i had taught myself and I had some level of skill set that I had taught and had learned either from whether Ernest helped me to learn how to phrase and stuff like that, 
well, he helped me do more, but phrasing was really important because I remember he might not even remember, but I remember one time he was like, oh yeah, on this mix, you gotta, you gotta make sure you count the beat to come something coming into the intro. So that way you don't cut it off. But all I'm saying is like, I had some mentorship, <laughs> you know, I had some mentorship. I had already taught myself through videos. So when I went into the school, I basically tested into a like second level course mm. So for me, instead of it being a full like year, because technically it would be a full year in that uh, DJing introduction type of course, or well, really it's like an entire set of courses. I kind of was, I think it took me like nine months or so. I think I got in there around May of 2014 and I graduated in December. Now my math is not good, but from May to December, that's how long it took me. But typically it would be about a year in that program. And there's other DJ schools out here now because, you know, there's always going to be competition somewhere. Mm-hmm. And actually Mr. Chalk started his own DJ school called the Beat Junkies Institute of Sound. So, so I watched also, it on YouTube. You did? Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I watched it on YouTube. That place is, it's amazing. I really love it. I've been a few times just to like go to events and stuff. But, um, but yes, just to answer your question, it's about a year. And um, in terms of like, I'm trying to remember you said about the people and how diverse it was. It um, it was very diverse. I would say in terms of ethnicity, nationalities, but not in terms of gender. So there were more. There was def- it was definitely still male dominated, mm-hmm. and there was only a handful of women who were there learning how to DJ. So, but that's just to how the industry has always been. It's usually been like that. And I think around that time, more women are starting to get into DJ. So diversity was. Not, I mean, it, they were, you know, it wasn't no fault to anybody there. It was just how things were. Um, in terms of competition with the people that I became like cool with, you know, at that time, I think what I know now is not what I knew then. And so, yeah, you know, you do kind of feel like you have to compete with the other people because, you know, some people might be getting gigs and you'd be like, you know, you're looking at yourself like, okay, I know. And no shade anybody else, but you know you might be better than somebody else or whatever. And then it's like you are getting certain things, but I now go by the what's for me is for me type of thing. You know what I'm saying? It literally is like nothing that is for me will escape me. And that's the kind of mindset I had to have over the past couple of years for sure. Cause I used to get really hung up on that whole competitive thing or whatnot and just really trying to, you know, but everybody's on their own path. Yeah. Um so that, that's what I'll say about that part. And then I think you have one more thing you asked. What was your other question? Unless I answered it for you. You know, I don't I, remember, girl. Competition, scheduling, diversity. That was the last thing. It was the schedule. That was it. It was three, yeah. It was the, so the schedule part was, um, you know, you, most people have jobs. So if you're signing up for those courses, it literally is like coming, going in the evening after your job. Oh, so wow. I would just like, I would, I think it would be like two courses a week, uh, every single week until I finished the, until I finished the entire program. And I would just drive out there after I got off of work, you know, from Orange County all the way to LA, because I was living in Orange County at the time. And I would be there for about two hours. It'd be like a two hour class. So that's kind of like, just to give you an idea of what type of schedule that was. Um, but yeah, it's not like full-time. It's more so like part-time. For those that don't know, because I know, mm-hmm. what's that drive like? <laughs> See, that's the thing. That drive is crazy. It's literally, it's, it, on a good day, it might be 45, 50 minutes. And then, you know, on a day when you're in traffic as well, it's about to be like an hour and a half. It's crazy. Yeah. But that's how dedicated I was. Like, you know what? I know that I need this. I know I've had all these moments where I just felt like I was kind of like going nowhere. And so that's what it was for me at the time, you know? 
brought that up because don't forget used to drive 40 minutes from mm-hmm. Dublin to Reynoldsburg to mm-hmm. come stay with me every, to, to, uh, you know two times a week so yeah. that's how you know somebody dedicated like any other time I'm not sitting in, sitting in traffic for nothing I mean well in LA you sit in traffic for everything but yeah. like you know <laughs> some people wouldn't go through that grind but I'm glad you definitely uh, took those steps and went to that school because it seems to be paying dividends for you. Sure. Uh, before I move on, anybody have any questions? Well, I guess like on that note, mm-hmm. where are you now? How is it paying off? Um, so it's, it's funny because, you know, it's like when you're in it, you just really aren't. But I feel like looking back on it, that, like I said, was a turning point for me so that I'm always going to say like that was the number one thing. But now I'm signed to another agency who who just saw who, um, and actually this is an all-female DJ agency that I'm signed to now called Prism DJs. And it, it literally, it's not like, I want to say signed to, because it's not like a record contract or nothing like that. But it is like, you know, you, you kind of like are picked. And so, or you, you know, you might be friends of a friend and that type of thing. But um, Tessa, the founder of the, the Prism DJs agency, um, you know, like online on social media, like I'm posting, I try and I'm not the best social media person, to be honest, but I do what I can do. And I think just making sure people, you know, saw that I was a DJ, that I was doing gigs, that I was, you know, I would be doing like, you know, in stores, what we call them in stores, like DJ and that like, Bloomingdale's or North, those type of things. That's how I built my resume with those gigs. And sometimes you get like, you know, some more high, high profile ones. Like recently I've done like Amazon. I've done like certain things that are considered a little bit more like visibility in terms of like, I call them like elevated, more elevated events, but um, cutting my teeth at those in-store gigs and whatnot was really one of the things. Um, But going back to Prism DJs, that happened by being active on social media, but trying to be as authentic. I mean, just being myself, like she hit me up and was like, Hey, I see you also have a nine to five, but would it be something you could speak to that type of thing? Like, because every DJ is not a full-time DJ. It's not easy to make a living being a full-time DJ, because as you guys can see with the pandemic, all that shit was shut down. Right. And so I've always kept a job and I literally, I actually was about to leave my job right before the pandemic in 2019, like oh September, that's my time. And then wow. September here, and for some reason, I just couldn't take that step. And it could have probably was fear to be honest. Um, but outside of all that, I'm, I mean, I'm so grateful that I was able to continue uh, working my nine to five because that's what sustained me through the pandemic thus far. And then last year things started picking back up, but in terms of where I am now, I think it's just really like being visible on social media. That's a big part. Your connections with the people that you are in your community or other DJs, that's another big part, like those relationships. And I don't even like the word connections. Typically I like like the relationships that you have with other people where it's not just like you are looking for somebody to like help you, but you guys are right. like helping each other type of thing. And those are the things that really like got me to where I am now. Um, the connections, like, I, I don't know if people are paying attention or have, or like, you know, I'm a small fry in terms of social media, but I've done premieres for TV shows at this point for like uh, uh, the twenties, Lena Waithe, I've DJed her private events. I've things for like <laughs> things and that stuff comes from knowing people like my girlfriend will, my girlfriend, she's also a DJ, right? And so she basically 
had the connection like between her and her friends, they know Lena. And so her being a DJ and me being connected to her helped me to kind of be put in that, you know, and then also people seeing us being a couple, like it was a number of things that helped me to get to writing. But I will say like, just putting yourself out there, showing that you really take pride in what you do in terms of that and just being good. Like, number one, you got to be good. <laughs> like you have to be good. And I always tell other people who ask me like, how do they, how to get into DJing and stuff. I always want to say like, make sure you're doing your research and like, like really like look, look at the old, not the old heads. I don't see the old heads, <laughs> but look at like <laughs> DJs that came before us, like them, mm-hmm. like, like I said, the ones I listed off. And I've really like, I've done research. I've watched old school documentaries about cool Herc and all the, you know, like that's how much I wanted to immerse myself in, in the culture of DJing. Cause you know, like burn, like you said earlier, like some people do it just because it's cool, but I really have a passion for it. And I really love music and I love like the nostalgia of playing music for people and that type of stuff. And I might be going off on a tangent, but I just kind of like, that's was, that's just what I was feeling at the time. But yeah. <laughs> um, let's get back to these gigs real quick. Cause yeah. I want to let you talk to talk some shit real quick. So you got, you've had some big gigs over the years. Talk about some of these. <laughs> <big gigs. laughs> um, well, so like I was, I just mentioned like, and this is like in the past couple of years, like it's been that long. I've started DJing in 20, like really DJing in 20, learning 2010, I would say professionally 2014 and it's 2022. So just know that it's definitely a slow burn, no pun intended, but, um, but yeah, it literally is like just doing the work, putting your head down and just being, just doing as as best as you can to be good. But in terms of like the things that I've done and I really, I really don't consider myself to be like this, like, you know, I've seen DJs who are doing way more than I am, but I'm so humble. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I really don't want to make it seem like I'm like this, the that bitch. Girl, you, talk your shit. But you kind of are. So <laughs> what the fuck? I'm about to get mad. <laughs> talk your shit, sis. Okay. I mean, I've done like I do I've done like premieres for like Amazon Studios. I've done one of their shows called Transparent. I've a DJ for BET a couple of times. Like I said, Lena Wave. Lena Wave really, I mean, like I always say how grateful I am for her because she really I'm I'm a part of the LGBTQ plus community. And like she just looks back to like, you know, and, and brings up people who are really doing that, like you gotta be doing your thing. But she really gives a lot of opportunities. And I really appreciate that because it's put me on to like other things. You know what I'm saying? So I will just start stop there because I don't want to be, you know, but I will say, like I said, I have done some really dope things. I actually was one thing I was, I was going to DJ at Coachella right before at one of well not at coach i was at coachella but it was going to be at one of the brands inside of coachella so let me say that before the pandemic i was already booked to dj there and of course that got canceled and that and what's so crazy is to kind of go back a little bit to what you guys asked about competition and i will say this i remember in 2018 that i was i was kind of tapped to like hey you know would you like to dj for this brand at coachella and I was like, of course, but I was up against other DJs and DJs I know, like personally know, and I've done events with and, and the part, another DJ I know got that opportunity. And that was a time that was really hard for me. Cause I was like, 
And what am I not doing? Like, Mm -hmm. am I doing something like, what can I do better? Am I not as good as I thought I was? And that person, like it was, I was happy for that DJ, but I also was like, why am I feeling like this? And I think that was the moment where I kind of had to like, start looking at it a different way. Because like I said, competition, I'm my only competition. That's how I feel now. What's for me is for me. So just kind of touching back to that, that because that was mentioned earlier, but yeah. So, I mean, I think I, 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 I forgot my point, but anyway, <laughs> I hope I answered your question. That you're that girl. That was the point. Oh, you're that girl. <laughs> you guys are sweet. I appreciate you. <laughs> so what's your goals? Mm. Oh, you know, if this pandemic wasn't happening, I feel like it would have been like, like, I feel like my years would have been not my year because, you know, everybody's like, this is about to be my year, but I feel like I would be, you know, doing some things. But now that, we are kind of stunted by something that happened that we had no control over. Um, 2022, actually 2021 was pretty busy. So this year, my goal is really to just continue building off of what I was doing in 2022, 21. But I also want to do more. I want to be going to like Art Basel and DJing events out there. I want to be doing like uh, BT awards, like things. Like I know DJs who DJ at the Oscars. Like those are the things that I am aspire that I aspire to to be able to do those type of events and be able to, and I don't I mean even like y'all know DJ D Nice right y'all see I don't know if y'all pay attention to that what kind of stuff he's doing but kind of like similar to that like I feel like that would be the traje- trajectory for me um, and also that being full time and not having to like work a nine to five like I really want to make this a full time thing so that's where I would say I want to I see myself in the future. Sooner than later, you know. Let me uh, let me tell you how good me and her used to work together. So back when we had no money, we used, <laughs> we, we used to share a sound system. I had one speaker; she had the yeah. other one. <laughs> so whenever one, one person had a gig, we come pick it up. You had two speakers; she I needed. I gave her two speakers. So I say all that to say, um, what type of equipment you got now? Like, oh. Oh yeah, I did. I definitely upgraded. So I mean, I got the S nine, like you already know, the the Pioneer S nine. So I have a setup at home that's de- that's dedicated for home, and that's my turntables and my mixer, my S nine mixer. Um, and then when I go out and I DJ like my mobile events, if I have to bring equipment, because nowadays I'm on the y'all provide like my tech rider type of thing. Like I don't want to have to bring equipment. And really last year, I think I really did not have to bring much equipment, which is a godsend because nobody wants to really lug that shit around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I got the Pioneer DDJ 1000, the SRT. So the one that you were talking about earlier, don't fret. Mm-hmm. I got that one because that one is just, it was, I got the, um, I just felt like that was the best one for me. And it's also got everything you need and it's not so heavy. And I literally just bring that on my mobile gigs. When it comes to sound, I have QSCs. Um, I, I still got them old Behringer's in my closet that I've been trying to sell on Facebook marketplace forever. But you got two, right? Yeah, I got two of them. Okay, two. I just want to make sure you, you know, you're talking all that shit. You got two now. <laughs> I bought another one because when he was out of here, I was like, shit, I got to fucking buy my own. <laughs> so I got two in the closet. I've been trying to sell forever. That's but funny. now I've done gotten this, the QSCs because I like the sound better. And plus it's, it's a considered like one of the better ones. There's other brands out there. But I got my QSCs. Nah. <laughs> but you know, when you you invest back into yourself as a DJ, yeah, literally, yeah. you know how people book you and think you're going to just be showing up and DJing, you don't do nothing else. Girl, no, I have equipment. I've got top of the line stuff. I got my Twitch set up, like everything I paid for a whole new laptop. Like you 
you got to think about those things when you pricing yourself out, because exactly. especially with being a woman, I feel like we kind of, I kind of, I'm not going to talk for every woman, but I lowball myself. Cause I'm like, you know, oh, you know, I, you know, talking about money is not really my favorite thing, but I'm trying to get over that because like you really, I know I'm worth it. Like I've done, mm-hmm. I've paid my dues. I've been in this thing for over 10 years now. Like I gotta, you know, I had to change that mindset, but yeah. That's my equipment that I have that I currently use right now. Brought up a great topic, and I'm I'm, I'm gonna let y'all talk about it. Talk about being a uh, a female woman DJ and and how that um, is an advantage or a disadvantage in certain situations. Um, for me, I, I've had friends who have like I don't say horror stories. But I've heard I have other like DJ, I'll call them DJ friends because some people are like DJ friends and then, you know, you got your really good group of friends. But some of my um, DJ friends have talked about um, like just being like, not I'm going to say disrespected at clubs. Like I personally, clubs are not my bread and butter. Like I do corporate, I do brands, like that's where I really kind of do my thing. Um, but I do do clubs on occasion, you know, because because of course, pay, DJing at a club, you don't get paid as much as the other stuff. So literally when I take a club gig, it's like far and few in between, if that makes sense. However, I have friends who are like dedicated, like they be in the club all the time. And I've had heard, I've heard stories of like men just thinking that they can talk to you anyway, the hands type of thing, putting their hands on you in terms of like, because you're a woman and a lot of my like people I know, they're like cute girls, you know what I'm saying? And me, I might be more of androgynous with my style, but then I have other DJ friends who like dress up, you know what I'm saying? And so those are the kind of things I've heard. Me personally, I haven't had to deal with that. The biggest thing I will say, you know what, I'm going to backtrack. The, the one thing that irks me the most is men who come up to the DJ booth. Now, I have had this happen to me. They come to the DJ booth and they expect you to do what they ask you to do. Like, And these are like party goers. Or men who are just, I'm literally DJing like at a lounge at a, at a hotel in Hollywood. And they're coming up to you and they're flirting with you. But they're also kind of like, it's just really odd. That space right there. I remember one time when I was DJing, when I had a residency at Holly, Lowe's Hollywood Hotel. This man really like was following me as I was packing up my equipment. Why did I say that? This is so old that I forgot about this. But I have had that type of situation happen. This man made me so uncomfortable. And he follows me out of the hotel as I'm packing up, trying to talk to me and just was being all in my space. I'm waiting for Valley to bring my car. He's trying to stand and buy the car with all my, like that really, that really made me upset. And of course I'm a nice person. I don't like to be like, I don't get with people like that. I just be like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Thank you. You know? So those are the things I have dealt with that really like burns, boils my, my blood. And I've talked to my friends about it, but not to be long-winded, but those are the things that I've had to deal with. Also, people not taking you serious, men not taking you serious. Like I'll get at an event and it's men on the bill and I'm on the bill and this is mostly clubs and they don't expect you to be good. Like and you get up there and you kill it and you do the thing and they're like, oh, wow, you snapped. Really? I didn't expect. And it's like that type of stuff. So, you know, we get it from all sides, to be honest, now that I'm uh, thinking about this stuff because it's just that's one thing that men don't typically deal with if I'm not mistaken and I mean I definitely want to hear what you guys have to say you ladies have to say because I'm sure y'all might have experienced something mm-hmm. I mean I'm brand new so mine I'm still very much so trying to prove myself as a DJ period mm-hmm. um, but also as a female DJ and Reba brought this up I'm short as hell 
Like, so I, I, you know, I kind of look like a little doll, you know, like, <laughs> oh, look, it's a little DJ. Oh, she's behind oh, the she's camera. So she can barely see over, you know. So <laughs> in that sense, it's really, I, people don't take me seriously, especially when I come and, you know, I'm bringing all my equipment and they're looking at me like, oh, how's she about to do that? And then, you know, you get, sometimes you get some of the, oh, you need help? Well, no, I don't. And I'm already halfway done. So leave me alone. Um, but yeah, it's, I haven't had a situation, thank God, and knock on wood that it never happens where I felt that uncomfortable, but I'm always thinking about it. I'm always thinking about where I park. I'm always thinking about um, how many trips I have to make back and forth. If I'm uh, bringing my own equipment, I'm thinking about what time I got to leave, all of that because anything can happen and as a woman you know there's another target on your back but when you're put on like that type of platform for whatever reason it attracts the crazies um and it is terrifying and frustrating but like I said I haven't had that situation yet and I pray that it never happens but I'm also grateful for burn in that aspect because he understands that and he understands that as a man and as a DJ mentor like he can kind of intervene in some of those situations and like you know back people up or just kind of give guidance in that way of be beware of what could happen beware of being taken advantage of you know whether it's you know pricing or what they're asking you to do, um, and those types of situations safety-wise as well. So appreciative for that, and I hope that nothing happens, but yeah. I'm very aware. I mean, you guys, ladies rather, have pretty much hit all the main points. Um, a persistent men and women, it's actually the girls more that be in my space asking me, for songs um <laughs> and like not moving getting attitudes threatening to leave girl bye like i'm not i'm, not, I'm, <laughs> I'm the door. i don't give a damn i'm in r&b right now i'm not switching to gucci i'm sorry like you're at the wrong spot sis i'm sorry no but like like you said like the guys don't take you serious it's like oh you know um because there are a lot of Damn, I don't want to talk down on other women that DJ. So I don't know a way to say this. But a lot of people do it to be cute, right? You can tell you see different social media platforms where you know the girls don't know what they're doing, but she got a cute face, body on point. She got a cute little outfit on. And so like the guys, when you're working, like they kind of treat you, they look at you as if you're one of those girls that they're just like pressing a button. It's like, no, nigga, I really do this. Don't play right. with me. Um, another thing I feel like, I feel like when you are, when you're approached by like men that want to book you, mm. sometimes I get the vibe like, oh, you want to, you want to book me because I'm a woman um, and it's trendy right now. Not really because you like my style or what I do or you think you can get a deal because I have a vagina. Like you don't have to pay me what you're going to pay him because I'm a girl. Like, I don't know what, I'm not supposed to know what I'm doing anyway. Mm -hmm. So I can tell sometimes when I have those money conversations, when people want to book me and I tell them what my rate is per hour, mm -hmm. it's like, oh, well, 
I thought I was going to get a deal on that. So, you know, that's a little high. Can you move? No, I can't. Right. Um, you know, those type of conversations. So as a, as a woman, that's frustrating. Cause it's just, then you realize like mid conversation, like, Oh, this nigga think I'm a joke. Like, okay, mm-hmm. let me dead that. No, we won't be doing business. So like you said, just not being taken seriously. Um, and then just like the crates out there. It's weird. Yeah. It's really weird. It's uh, some more free game, not just for uh, women DJs, but DJs in general. Like you walking around with like $6,000 worth of equipment on you. Like, yeah, like, beware. Um, don't leave nothing in your car. Uh, I remember we did Orange Soda in D.C. Uh, uh, the next day we went to brunch, came out, all my shit was gone. So, yeah. yeah. Make sure broad you, daylight. Broad daylight. Make sure you stay Not away from your surroundings. Um, mm. And I do want to make a point to say if there's anybody out there listening to this, DJs or not, I, I'm not gassing what I'm saying. The three people I have on this podcast is better than a lot of DJs you know, male or female. So don't get it twisted. Um, even Recio, she just started and she bust a lot of y'all ass. No, no like, you know, because. <laughs> Because we wouldn't have it any other way. Um, I had another question. Um, oh, turntables. Um, how long before you bought turntables? And what do you prefer? Okay. Yeah, so I had my NS7, like I told y'all. I bought that was pretty much the first thing I was using as I was coming up. And then when I moved to LA, once I got a job, I was like, okay, I, I want turntables. So that was, let's see, 2010, I started pretty much 20, I think by 2013, if I can remember correctly, I, I was like, I can't, I'm not here for it. I wanted, I want the turntables and I got myself a mixer. And at the time, the 62, the Rain 62 was like king, you know what I'm saying? And so that was what I went with. I was like, um, now the techniques, because they weren't, they were no longer being sold by that point, it was kind of harder to find because you got to go on Craigslist and that type of stuff. So I just went with, I think I just ended up getting like pie. And actually I still have the turntables right now. I got some Stanton turntables after doing all this research and I have never had any problems with these things. They have good torque and all that stuff. So I had the rain 62. I got this two stand turntables that were supposed to be top of the line, even though they weren't industry standard, like techniques. And that's what I have. And I always knew that that's what I, that was going to be my setup of choice. And that's my favorite thing to use, even with CDJs, and controllers and all that other stuff. Like I know how to DJ on anything, but the number one thing that's on my rider are two technique turntables or equivalent one uh, pioneer S nine, you know what I'm saying? And that's, that's what I love to use. What's that? <laughs> nah, I'm, uh, <laughs> listen, um, I know, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, Colum- well, you haven't really DJed in Columbus a lot. Have you? no, I remember the last time I was there, that was Orange Soda, and that was and that was the first time since leaving that I DJed in Columbus. So really, by the way, mm-hmm. yes. that was the first and only time being an established DJ that I DJed in Columbus was when you brought me out there for Orange Soda. Here, don't be having equipment or nothing, and it's just you know you, you got to fend for yourself. But mm-hmm. um, you did make a point of saying that um, last year you didn't have to take a lot of equipment in, uh, everywhere, but you also know how to use all this equipment, right? Yep, everything. And I picked up everything. (laughs) When's the last time you got in front of some uh, setup and didn't know what you were doing? As far as I think it was it was definitely CDJs. 
And it was, I had gotten a residency prior to the pandemic. So what was a pandemic is what, 2020. So I was, ha- I was DJing a residency at this spot called Beaches WeHo in, in West Hollywood. And it was a gay club. And they only have CDJs in that old ass Nexus, Pioneer Nexus with, you know, like the, the setup wasn't the most like current. And that was the one time that I, that, that was the last time that, so I would say 2019 was when I got in front of some CDJs consistently. Cause you know, sometimes you have a one-off and somebody, another DJ's there, they can help you. But I was there by myself at that point. And that's when I was like, okay, I have to learn how to do this because I don't ever want to have to go somewhere and not know what to do. But you know, nowadays the CDJs and new setups, like it's real easy. It's like almost plug and play like the controller. But before with those older setups, it's not the same. Girl, I had to use some CDJs a month ago and it was uh-huh. awful. Really? <laughs> We're not talking about it again. We spent an uh, episode talking about it already. But as okay. soon as you said it, I was like, yes, it's magic. Look, so, you know how, um, so it, it was two CDJs and uh, S9. So you know how on CDJs, we use the actual CD. If mm. you don't start it over. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> The CD will oh, run yeah. out on you. It had my anxiety on a hundred because I was scared that I was gonna. Oh, I hated it. I didn't like it. Yeah, you gotta loop. I, I had to learn that you have to loop it because I actually was. That's how I found out I DJ this deep house set at a club, EDM club in uh, Hollywood. And this was when I was still in school. And the, the girls had to show me like, no, you need to loop it. So you do this and you do that. And I'm like, okay, this is what I'm going to do every time. <laughs> because actually, I remember my friend, she had that same issue. She was DJing Brunch to Bomb. I don't know if you guys follow any parties in LA, but there's this one uh, party that's really big and it's called Brunch to Bomb. She was DJing it. And I went to go see her just to support and her, her CDJs kept stopping. And I was like, and her, and then the promoter was like, did you a DJ? I was like, I was like, yeah, I am. He's like, can you help your girl out or whatever. And he's a DJ too. And I was like, well, you could why nobody helping her? Just tell her what to do. So I was like, okay, because she has controller. So I'm like, just make sure you loop it and it'll never, ever, ever stop on you. But horror stories, right? Luckily for me, it never stopped when I was playing live, but it was the fact that I had to remember that it could stop. It uh, was in between me not having a set playlist. So like, it's like, I want to pick another song, but I'm like, where am I at with the time? Is the time right? Oh man, it had me, it had me fucked. <laughs> you were like, nah, I, I ain't fucking with this <laughs> at all. That was another thing I had to learn. So that's why I keep a flash drive on me. You can actually get an MP3 of that Serato signal. That's an hour long. So it'll never cut off. I mean, mm. unless you do a little, a little longer than an hour. So, right. you know, just learning experiences, you know. It's um, <laughs> um, I think I'm out of questions. Uh, anybody else have any questions? I have a question because I've seen more Ohio transplants like make their way to that coast. What's the Columbus or Ohio network like for you there? Are y'all, are we all family? What you know are we what? doing? I know, I know several people. And now I think as the years went by, I think when I first moved out here, it was more so like trying to. Well, I had my best friend from Columbus, right? And I had another friend from Columbus and we all roomed together. So we were like our own little family. Mm-hmm. And then I remember a few, a few friends like Daryl Dunning. I don't know. I know Ernest, you might know who Daryl is. Um, and then who else? John Thurman. I don't know if y'all know him, but I there was that. a couple. Of, so yeah, John came out here. Uh, Daryl was already out here when I got here. So when I got here, it was like, I already knew some people or a couple people that like, whenever an event came up, you know, they might, Daryl invited me to a few events back and he's invited me to events 
uh, even in the past couple of years, you know what I'm saying? But I wouldn't say that my tribe or anything like that is, is not, is not, my tribe is not made up of anybody really from Columbus. Mm -hmm. I just have those guys and those people that I know who I know if like they, uh, Daryl be looking out, he'd be like, listen, there's a, you know, whatever I'm looking to book a DJ, that type of stuff. But um, for me, no, that wasn't my experience overall, but I do know other people who are like all from Columbus who do hang out. So it's based on what it is that works for you. I'm also not, I like, I have a very close knit group of friends that I kind of like stick to if that makes sense so yeah. yeah you don't have um like a ohio dj connect little group or anything like mm-hmm. that out there oh no, not at all like it's, it's so crazy because you're right there are quite a few people out here but i think everybody's chasing their dreams like some are some are acting some mm-hmm. people are like just in even a professional setting for me that hasn't been like a you know like a ohio connection like tight-knit connection if that makes sense it's just like it's, I think at first, like I said, when I first moved here, that was more so the thing, but not as much as I've been here for what almost it'll be 12 years. Yeah. So you kind of find your, you know, groove and things like that with the people that you chill with on a regular basis. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <that's it. laughs> Brian, you're <laughs> muted again. Am I muted? There yeah, you are. Now you, yeah, you. <laughs> uh, um, no, nah, I was going to say something. I forgot what it Oh. They talk about the the pandemic taking things from us. I had a gig in LA set up, mm. right? Because we were supposed to go to Vegas. Remember, uh, don't fret. And mm-hmm. it, it was the day before, and we didn't end up going. So I'm, I'm still trying to, you know, I'm trying to work some things yeah. out. I got some things in. You know, I feel like with what I know now, uh, especially know how to, you know, use social media, know how to do marketing, know how to market mm-hmm. myself. I feel like I could really do damage, but I got a little bit more responsibilities now these days. <laughs> so, and she ain't having it. So, maybe <laughs> <laughs> you gotta convince her. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> only, only, only way I'm gonna convince her is, is with a six figure check. That's what I'm about to like, say. You better show her that check, baby. <laughs> she be like, well, uh, you know what? That's what it's taking to live out here nowadays. It's kind of crazy, really. Cray, I'm looking for a new apartment. Actually, I'm on the market for a new apartment, and the rent is ridiculous. So mm-hmm. I get, I get why she's like, "Listen, you better have something before we move out there because mm-hmm. it's crazy." Let's, let's talk about that real quick, just because uh, yeah. I don't think people know the scope of like how much. I, I don't think. Well, first of all, I don't think people in Columbus know how good they have it because you can just go to any call center and get a job. You go out there, everybody has a degree. So and everybody has all the jobs. So if you're not trying to do sales or you're not trying to bust tables, you probably yeah. not gonna find a job. Really? And, and yeah, like everybody's out there chasing their dream. So you gotta think like you can't just walk in. Like I, I can go to Discover right now, put an application, and get a job probably next week. But <laughs> unless you're doing sales, those opportunities ain't like that out there because yeah. everybody's there. Like it's overpopulated. And uh, when I was there, me and my sister, God bless my sister. Because uh, if she she moved f- from Chicago to LA before I moved out there, so if she would have stayed in Chicago, I'd have moved to Chicago. Mm-hmm. So I moved to LA. We were staying in a one no excuse me in a studio apartment that's like it was like an exaggerated living room. Um, it was eight hundred dollars <laughs> a month, and then we moved to a one bedroom that was uh, eleven fifty. Mm-hmm. By the time by, by the time I left, it was thirteen fifty. I don't know how much it is now. It's probably like eighteen hundred now. Um, probably so yeah. more than that. So yeah, so talk about um, the, well, mainly uh, the financial strain of living in LA, uh, mm-hmm. but also the benefits of living in LA. Yeah, you know, that's that's a good question. The good thing, because it's like, um, you to be out here, you have to really want to be here. 
because a lot of like in terms of like whatever it is that you're chasing, whatever your dream or goals are like the yes, we know that L.A., California, like there's a lot of perks in terms of like opportunities and being close to the beach and the weather is almost always nice. It almost never rains, but it does rain. People really be thinking it don't rain, but it does. (laughs) Those are the perks right there like that, you know, being able to do. I could go to Palm Springs and be there in like an hour and a half and have like a little desert retreat or Joshua tree and go like just be by myself. You know what I'm saying? And I can also go like to uh, San Diego, which is beautiful. Like I love being able to like, I love San Diego. I don't know if I would live there because I want to be close to LA, but it's a beautiful place. And I like that. But in terms of living, um, listen, so, okay. I'm going to actually just throw out some numbers. When I first moved here, we were living in a two bedroom, two, it was a two bedroom, two bathroom. And at the time in 2010, that was about fifth that we pay like 1500. That was a deal. It, it was for that two bedroom, 1500, 2010 with 12 years later. Now I have an apartment. I actually moved to Long Beach because it is a little bit cheaper and it puts me in between my job and my gigs in LA. And so we have, we actually got a still, to be honest, we have a two bedroom, two bathroom, uh, two car garage, washer and dryer, central AC. It came with all stainless steel appliances. Now, the thing is, the reason why I'm naming all this office is because <laughs> you know, when you're looking for an apartment out here, you might not get a refrigerator. You might not get <laughs> AC. AC is not commonplace. You might not get a parking spot. Oh, like, shared so, bathroom too. Shared yep, bathroom, yep. shared shower. It's crazy. It's so crazy. It's nothing compared to living in Columbus. And so when we found this place, it was 2100 and that was a steal. Right. I know people living in houses that they don't even pay twenty one hundred dollars in Columbus. Right. Homes that they own. Right. You know what I'm saying? And now I'm looking for a one bedroom because I'm moving back to L.A. in the next month. The one bedroom I found that I got approved for twenty ninety five two thousand ninety five dollars for a one bedroom. And, and the reason why is because it has everything I need. I have A.C. I have parking. I mean, they have a pool and everything. But, you know, I don't really do all that. But I have parking, A.C., all appliances. $2,095. So you're talking about oh. people in LA that have a cooler in place of a refrigerator? <laughs> we had a, um, I'm not full of Richie Reba. <laughs> we had a um, we had one of those college style refrigerators, like like little half joints. Like what I and got then, here? Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Oh and then God. um and, and we didn't have a uh oven, we had like a stovetop. Uh-huh. The, Hot plate the, type of thing. The bathroom didn't have a sink. You had to uh, once you you know t- take a shower and all that. You had to come out, brush your teeth in the sink that was shared with the kitchen. Oh my god, it's fucking crazy. Eight hundred dollars, and that was ten years ago. I'm sure it's like fifteen hundred now. Um, yeah. LA <laughs> sounds like New York. Like I'm hearing, like is it the same? right? It sounds very similar to NYC, and New I don't York like is it. A little bit more expensive. I'm I hear. I've never lived there. But to be honest, San Francisco is more expensive than L.A. I hear that as well. So when you get out here, when you get to New York, shit is crazy. Like people, my friend, I just found out she's out here in L.A. She pays $3,600 for a one bedroom in like uh, Century, not far from Century City. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but 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 still, $3,600 is she. And I was talking to her like, I'm about to pay $2,095. She's like, girl, you got to get it because I got third. I'm like, Damn. For oh, thirty six hundred, that better come with a spouse and like a and a and a dog, right? Because how do you <laughs> maybe even a baby? So <laughs> now let me stop. That too. Hello, expenses right there. Okay, but uh, no, I get what you're saying. It's crazy though. Does that include utilities? Nope. 
You a damn liar. That's what I'm saying. Even in the most, most of the time, they might put water and trash in that. But a lot of times, like even at this place, I pay electric and gas, which I've always used. I've always been used to paying electric and gas anyway by myself or on my own. But in this place, we actually get trash and water included. But a lot of places, you'd be paying all utilities and pay that on top of that high-ass rent. So just to go back to what you said, Ernest, you really, to be out here, you really have to like weigh the pros and cons because I don't want to be in Columbus. Like I could very well go back to Columbus and for what I'm going to be, what I'm paying for rent, get something really nice, maybe even downtown. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, I mean, it's the, the, the pros outweigh the cons, but this rent is just getting out of hand to the point where it's like, I don't know what, like, I just kind of have to bite my tongue and just, you know, bite the bullet and do it, but I don't want to be anywhere else. So, mm. so there's so many opportunities out here. God bless two you, sister. Two things I want to mention real quick, and, and then I want to hold you guys all night. Um, parking. So uh, I used to work at the LA Times building and and uh, we was living out in, um, um Culver City area, right? So it's probably like a 30, 45 minute hour drive, depending on the traffic. Uh, it was $12 a day to park. I didn't even make that much money. Like, so, and then when you go back, you in traffic for like one or two hours. But oh then uh, when I used to work in Koreatown, um, I, I would park on the street because I didn't want to pay for the parking. And then I, sometimes I'll come out and the car behind me in front of me is so close to me, I couldn't move my car. So I just leave it, catch the bus home and come <laughs> get it the next day. Wow. And then going home, because uh, me and my sister lived together, we only had one parking spot. When I tell you, I used to drive around literally for an hour, literally looking for a street spot. And sometimes I had to park. I parked so far away, I might as well stay at work. Like, like literally walking five blocks back to the apartment. I'm yeah. like, if somebody steal my car, I have no idea because I'm nowhere yeah. near it. Um, so, so, yeah, so paying for a park, like parking, like they, these be times I got so used to parking. Like I used to go to Walmart and just park in the back because ain't no, there's no parking up front. So you just find the first spot you find and then and it's, it just walk everywhere. And public transportation sucks because yeah. you'd be on the bus with somebody on your chest and on your back because it'd be so packed on the bus. Yeah. Oh, bro, bro. Like, at least in New York, you can ride the train or whatever. I guess you don't really have to have a car. You need a car in LA, and they're gonna uh, hit you with that small tax too, uh, for no reason. Like, it's, it's well, how much to register your car out here? My car, four hundred. I pay four hundred, like four hundred, over four hundred dollars for registration every single year on my car. And even when I have, a, I mean, I have a pretty nice car, but even when I had a car that wasn't that nice to something, it like it's ridiculous. So. We are, everybody knows the cost of living is high out here. It's crazy. So you got to really want to be out in this bitch. That's for sure. Yeah. And the second thing I will say is uh, you mentioned something earlier about putting yourself out here. I just remember this and I, I don't know why I forgot it. You, so you remember Broadway Bar in downtown LA? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember this, but some dude, like I was on Craigslist looking for gigs and mm-hmm. dude wanted to do a night there. And so I went in there. There was like, it was like 15 minute auditions. It was a line of DJs. You go in there, play something, and then the next one jump on, play something. And so I went there and did that. He was like, cool, I'm going to give you a night. I was like, oh, my God, it's amazing. So um, I made flyers. It was like a Wednesday night. I went down downtown L.A. passing out flyers, putting on cars, like, like you know, just like guerrilla marketing. And mm-hmm. so the one night I was in there, um, I don't even know if it was hip-hop or I don't remember what it was, but I actually had my own night at this bar, which was later used in movies, and it got more popular. Um, oh, yeah. but nobody came. Nobody. 
And so um, oh. the deal was to get a receipt to the bar. He gave me like $20. He was like, yeah, so I mean, we can try this again later if you want. I'm like, oh, all right. He never called me again. But just the idea of like, I had to go out there, find a gig, contact some guy. Before I started DJing, I don't know if y'all know this. I don't know. Y'all, y'all probably don't know this at all. I used to be real shy. Like, I couldn't talk to people. I couldn't look people in their face when I talked to them. I was super shy, but DJing made me, DJing ain't working at call centers, made me like a better communicator. So, just mm-hmm. going out there in a city I don't know nobody, talking to some dude I don't know, and, you know, I put my talents out there and then trying to promote a night and helping people show up. And then the embarrassment of having nobody show up and then just, you know, still going at it because, that might have been a missed opportunity or a bad opportunity, but like that's what you got to do to basically mm-hmm. get an opportunity. You can't just sit back like like you can here and just wait for somebody to call you because that's that there's a thousand DJs, a thousand photographers, a thousand producers out there. So you got to go out there and make it happen. So that was definitely a good learning experience for me though, because like uh, I'm telling you, like making the flyers and passing them out, like walking around downtown LA for two hours um, just for nobody oh, to show up. I feel still. so bad for you. <laughs> I know. I mean, you know, um, I wasn't. I mean, like when I say nobody was there, it was like maybe like five, six people. Like, oh, like, okay. So somebody was there. Somebody came because I thought it was completely empty. Oh, but like it was like my friends. Like, like yeah, my sister was there. the party. The turnout wasn't there. Where he no. not like these orange soda parties y'all be having. You know what I'm oh, saying? Yeah. Orange soda. Uh, you know, that's that's a different story. But uh, <laughs> oh god, we're gonna be on tour soon. So I'll yeah. we'll definitely come out to LA and see what's yeah. up. But um, anybody else have any other questions before we wrap it up? No, but Burn, if Bree heard anything you said about LA, y'all for damn sure ain't moving out there. She probably, <laughs> she probably got her ear up against the door, like, nope, <laughs> right? <laughs> nah, but uh, I definitely want to say, uh, first of all, I'm proud of you because um, <laughs> I've seen the growth. Um, I'm glad you stuck with it. Uh, I know a lot of people that was in LA when I was there, and they're people from LA that don't live there no more because they got up out of there. And you're mm-hmm. still there grinding. So um, I hope, uh, like you said, whatever opportunity ain't for you, uh, it ain't for you. But if it's for you, I hope you get it in abundance Thank and you, you take a full advantage of it. Um, mm-hmm. And hopefully I, I can make my way out there. Yes. <laughs> no, but um, definitely appreciate you being on. Um, let everybody know how they can reach you on social media. For sure. I appreciate you guys just saying that first because, you know, it's my first time doing a podcast and I'm just like, any someone's interested in what I my experience? Oh, okay. <laughs> so I really appreciate you guys for having me on tonight. Um, you can look you can locate me. What am I locate? What am I talking about? You can find me <laughs> on social media. Most of them are um just go to Instagram. I'm sorry. I don't really do Twitter. I don't do any of the other stuff. So go to Instagram. It's at DJ OHLA at DJ Ola. Oh, and, um, real quick. I'm not to cut you off. This yeah. is a question I have to ask every DJ when they come on here. Mm-hmm. Um, where'd you get your name from? And what was your original name? Because I feel like there was well, every yeah. DJ, including me. This wasn't the, this wasn't the first name we picked. <laughs> gotcha. Um, so my name, well, DJ Ola, I, I first started with X Tina because my name, my, my real name is Christina. And um, that was what I was using for a little while. But then I was like, I don't know if I like that. Plus there's Christina Aguilera. I feel like she goes by Xtina sometimes. So then I was going to do K Michelle because my name is Christina Michelle. And I was like, then there's K Michelle's ass, the singer. And I know she ain't a DJ, but still. And then I was just sitting at home one day when I, after I moved out here and I was like, okay, OH. So Ohio, LA, Los Angeles. 
And I know, and somebody tried to be a stickler and was like, but Ohio is a state and Los Angeles is a city. They don't <laughs> right. And I was like, I don't care. OHLA. And I was just like, I'm going to just say Ola. And that's just where that came from. So DJ Ola came from that. <laughs> Chef's kiss. On, yes. on, on another episode, we'll go over the brainstorming sessions that me and uh, Don Fred had and Riccio, because uh, <laughs> we was trying for a long time with them names. Um, but uh, I don't know. We never talked about mine, but we're not doing that today. Yeah, we're not. <laughs> um, I don't know. My name is uh, actually no DJ Burns. What I started with. Oh, Burn, really? Okay. Burn Earn. It, it rhymes. Oh, that's where that came from. Okay. That's yeah. Burn, <laughs> think my name is Bernard for some reason. I don't know why. But um, <laughs> but yeah. It so makes sense. <laughs> uh, make sure you follow her on Instagram. Um, and if you're in LA, in LA listening to this, um, check her out whenever she's out and about. Um, I didn't know that whole DJing at a shop thing was was a thing until I didn't really notice it until I was in Vegas and every mm-hmm. hair salon had a DJ in there. Yeah, I'm like, this is crazy, but you know, people gotta get gigs. You know? Yeah, so, that's so. like you know, you you can really get gigs anywhere nowadays. Like, it's so many people. Music yeah. is just king, right? You want to have mm-hmm. that ambiance. People want that live performance of a mm-hmm. of a DJ, but yeah, I definitely appreciate you being on this. Um, much much luck to you, and um, yeah, that is a. Episode five of uh, Put It On Record, and uh, we will see you guys next week. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.